Ladies and gentlemen, men and women, children of all ages, you're about to experience the opportunity to get in on the conversation. So do me a favor, join the conversation as you're about to step into the world of conversations about dot, dot, dot. I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, this is Will. This is the this is a was supposed to be a solo episode of Conversations about Dot Dot Dot. And then a good buddy of mine, the crafting cosplayer, decided that she would like to jump in on this, and so we decided to record an episode. Now, in its full form, the episode is over two hours long, and I don't want to hit you guys with a full two-hour episode. So we're going to split this into two parts. You're not going to get the traditional breaks. Like you're not going to get the after these messages will be right back thing you normally get from an episode because we just kind of went straight through and we just kind of talked a lot about a lot of different subjects. So basically what's going to happen is you're just going to get breaks where the commercials are going to come in. And then after the commercials come in, we're going to literally pick right back up where we start. So you'll get short, small interruptions for a couple of segments. So don't don't feel this weird. It's not an editing mistake, so to speak. It's just when we were recording the episodes, you know, I didn't think to go in and add the, you know, after these messages will be right back breakouts. So that's the reason why there aren't there in this particular episode. So don't worry about it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this first part of the episode with the crafting cosplayer. So Thank you guys very much for rocking with me. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate your messages, things like that, and everything with these episodes as you see them. So keep on letting me know how you feel about the episodes. If you're interested in getting um, getting on an episode, message me about that as well. That'd be awesome. I'd love to have you join the conversation. So thank you for everything, and enjoy the episode guest starring the crafting cosplayer. Hello, how's everybody doing? I'm glad you're back with us at Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. This is a special episode with a dear friend of mine that I've met on uh, about a year or so ago, I believe, or longer. Uh, the Crafting Cosplayer, she's a YouTuber. She uh, started off, you know, just having general information and just kind of conversational things and stuff she wanted to talk about. And then she also talked a lot about what caught my attention about her videos. It's more about, you know, sometimes she would sing Disney songs and uh, different things like that and, and not only Disney songs but of course other songs related to that stage one of her favorite shows being seeing a warrior princess and things like that and so it was really kind of cool and so we've been kind of we've talked back and forth at different times sometimes she's popped over on my, my channel sometimes I've popped over on hers and commented on stuff and recently she became one of the first people to favorite the show and so it's like well you know we messaged back and forth and she was like hey i'd really like to be on a podcast i said well hey you ready let's record one and so here we go so anyway miss crafting cosplayer please introduce yourself to the fine people at conversations about dot 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 hi there everybody i am the crafting cosplayer and my name pretty much says it all i like crafting and i like cosplay so she does like cosplay a lot. I've uh, seen some of the cosplay that she's done, different outfits and things like that. So if you had to like rank who like your top five favorite people to cosplay as, 
can you do it in five? Do you, you, you know, just kind of let let us know a little bit about who you enjoy cosplaying as. Um. Well, one of the first cosplays I did was Sally from the Nightmare Before Christmas, okay. and I think she is a lot of fun. But I think that she would kind of be lower on the list. Um, okay. Let's see. I really like cosplaying River Song. From uh, Doctor. From Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, we had a chance to meet uh, the person that played. I think her name was Donna. On Doctor Who, she was the she was one of the characters that was uh, a companion for yeah, Matt Catherine. As well as no, um, oh, I can't think of his name. The one that was before Matt Smith, the one that most people know. David Tennant. David Tennant. Yep. And so she, you know, <laughs> I remember seeing those episodes where you know he kind of shows up. She's supposed to be getting married, and then uh, mm-hmm. some stuff went down. She was supposed to be at the con in Louisville, but unfortunately, she came in and said she had some issues with uh, her passport, and so she oh, wasn't no. going to be able to make it back into the U.S before the end of the year. So unfortunately she had to cancel her stuff. And so people that were in my party or people that were going um, were very sad to not see her there. Of course, we did get the first doctor of the new era, uh, Eccleson. He was able to be there, but apparently she wasn't. So That would be awesome to meet him. He seems really, really fun. He he definitely. I didn't get to get over his table. Uh, I was actually he was actually next to George Takai's table, and oh, so nice. George Takai's line was super long. Like it wrapped way back, and so I got to meet George Takai's husband because uh, he was in line promoting the book. Because of course you know Dave, Dave, uh, George Takai wrote a book about his experiences growing up coming to the United States and fleeing the country and everything during the wartime and everything like that. If they believe the name of that book is called They Call Us the Enemy. And so he yeah, wrote a book, an autographed version of that book. It was like, you could buy the book for 25, but if you wanted to autograph it, it was going to be 100. So, you know, of course, I didn't get that book. But, yeah. you know, because one thing you got to learn about, even when you do cosplay, uh, you got to try to figure out how to convey what you're trying to do in as little money as possible. (laughs) You know, unless you're a sponsored person running around going to do stuff like you're not getting paid to go do those cosplays. So you got to try to pinch those pennies where you can. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so Sally, by the way, I was going to mention too, Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. Love Nightmare Before Christmas. It's one of the few movies you can watch both around Halloween and at Christmas time and it works. Yeah, I love it. So, and then, so anyway, go ahead and continue. You went River Song and you went Sally. Yeah, so, um, let's see, River Song, Sally. Um, I've done Daenerys from Game of Thrones. I've done, um, let's see, I'm like, too much naked for me, too much nakedness for me to watch that show. So that's a lot of like I tried to watch the first episode. I was just like, okay, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and yeah. go on and watch something else. And then from what I hear from other people to watch the series, it didn't get a whole lot better as time went on. Like it got progressively more nakedness along with yeah. other things. And I understand part of it had to do with the way that George R. R. Martin wrote 
the uh, series. I know something the Rascal Brothers and I are going to talk about probably close to the year-end show. Uh, we're going to that's going to be entitled 2019, the year a lot of stuff ended. Yeah, a lot of we'll stuff ended. Game of, Thrones, so Game of Thrones ended. Big Bang Theory ended this year officially. Uh, we had the last Marvel movie in the full-blown arc to end with Endgame and um, mm-hmm. everything. And so, you know, then we had, of course, Game of Thrones ended. And then also Star Wars ended. And of course, when people talk to me about Game of Thrones, they're like, well, I just didn't feel like it was the greatest ending. I'm like, well, dude, he still has like two books to write before it's finished. Like, it's yeah. not totally HBO's fault. Like, HBO was trying to milk that cash out as long as they could, you know? Oh, yeah. They gave George R. R. Martin a year to try to finish the books. <laughs> it didn't happen. So they were just like, no. we're, we're just going to end it. They just kind of did whatever uh, they wanted. Yep. It's like, well, we're going to make, sir, we're going to make, oh, girl, Dragon Girl. Yeah, we're just going to make her crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to have, uh, we're, and, and you know, at the end of it, you still had um, the girl, and why can't I think of names? Because, of course, we're just flying kind of off the seat of our pants here for this, but uh, the young girl who was like, just, she was the baddest one of the whole thing. Like Aria Aria, yeah. Like, Aria's just, we're going to make her an awesome woman. She's going to be the one that kills and murks everybody, you know, <laughs> and we're just going to have her doing things, but so I just it's it's interesting but yeah at the end of the day like I said I really didn't watch Game of Thrones I couldn't really comment on Game of Thrones specifically but a lot of things ended in 2019 that you know of course other than the Marvel Universe it's going to continue to go past that point but you're never going to have I don't know that they're ever going to be able to get that magic back for these movies beyond it you know what I mean I like what they built up to and then to pay it off the way they did I just don't know if you get better than Endgame for yeah. an of a series. So, but Daenerys, yeah. it, do you have like little dragons that you have with you when you do Daenerys? Um, I've got little like dragon statues. And so I would take like pictures and and I, I kind of modified the costume a little bit. Um, but I took like pictures with me holding like little statues like i think i took one with a little figment statue <laughs> okay figment from um from uh oh gosh what's that movie uh, i can't uh, think i don't think it's, figment it's ever not, really made it into a full movie uh figments uh, from epcot oh okay 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 gotcha the little purple dragon the little purple dragon. Yep. Educate me. They, I'm not. I'm not as uh, unless it's Dragon Ball Super or Dragon Ball Z. I'm not as up on my dragon knowledge as I should be. That's okay. You know. Other than of course the dragon Shinron, who they call up, and he's like, "You've made a wish. Now tell me what you want, so I can make it happen." <laughs> so anyway, continue with the next uh, people on your list there. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I'm like blanking on, I've done so many different cosplays. Um, I've done different like stylized uh, princesses and stuff. Um, But honestly, I think my all time favorite has to be Gabrielle from Xena Warrior Princess. Okay, so Gabrielle from Xena, now I know you're a big Xena fan. I know you love Xena. Like I went back and watched Xena, I believe it's on Tubi TV. 
that's just a free TV app that you can get, and I believe Zena's on it, so you can watch all the seasons of Zena. And I actually um, saw a or listened to a podcast myself the other day talking about the uh, Zena Warrior Princess and kind of what it meant for a lot of different people. And so they really talked to them about an hour or so. They were just talked about the different influences that Zena had. So, what about Zena speaks to you? Um, well, I. I was two years old when Xena came out, um, and I remember watching the very first episode. I was two years old, but I remember it clear as day, watching the very first episode, um, and everybody was, like, so excited about this, you know, oh, we're gonna get, like, a Hercules, but with a woman, and it's gonna be so great and everything, and so I, I remember sitting down in my front room, like, two inches from the TV because <laughs> I was one mm-hmm. of those kids that would sit like right up on the TV um, but I remember like sitting real close to the TV watching it and just being completely mesmerized um, just absolutely instantly fell in love with it and I think what I like the most about it was the relationship between Gabrielle and Zena and just how um how it progressed how the the story was just so intricate and I mean there's like funny joke episodes but there's also like really serious episodes and there, there's just so much I love about it but I, I remember watching the very first episode when it aired uh, when I was two years old so Okay. Long-standing long love. <laughs> That's pretty impactful. I don't know that I remember really watching many cartoons when I was two, uh, although I do remember sitting around watching Captain Caveman and taking a uh, taking a sheet and wrapping it around my back, wrapping it around my uh, my neck like I was a superhero. And I'd get a stick from outside and yell Captain Caveman as loud as I could in the house while my aunt just looked at me and shook her head like, "What is this boy doing?" <laughs> yeah. Of course, the thing about that was, that's not the first time or the last time that that's happened. Pretty sure I'm going (laughs) to still have people do that on occasion, just shake their head, look at me, what is that boy doing? And I'm fine (laughs) with that. Every day of my life. (laughs) Yep. It's like somebody said one day, it's like, you're not right in the head. I said, you know, here's the scarier part. Who's the crazier person? The person who just realized that I'm not all there or me for telling you all along I wasn't all there. <laughs> right? Like, I'm already aware I'm not all there. You're just not figuring it out. I'm, I'm worried about you. <laughs> you know? So that's kind of the way that goes. So, Zena, besides just, uh, just uh, the, the effect on you when you were younger, uh, you know, it has a very cultural effect in a lot of uh, different ways. And I think Lucy Lawless, I think it really kind of jump-started her career in a lot of ways. But then also, you know, you had Renee O'Connor, I believe. Now, did you not get to meet her at a convention yourself? I did, and it was so, legitimately the best day of my life. <laughs> so let's tell that story. Tell me how that happened. What con was it? You know, tell me a little <laughs> bit about what made that up. Okay, so it was a uh, couple years ago at Indiana Comic Con. Um, and I was like so excited i was in my gabrielle costume and i was freaking out and like everybody was stopping me to take pictures and everything and i was really really excited um and i got into line 
and uh, I got my picture taken with her first. And the minute I saw her, I just started shaking. Like my hands went over my mouth and I was shaking and I just didn't know what to say. And she, the first thing out of her mouth is, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. And I'm, I'm like, thank you. I made my costume myself. Oh, wow. Like that, that's like the stupidest thing you could say. But like, that was like the only thing that could come out of my mouth is, thank you. I made my costume myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I've been there. When I met Stan Lee, the first two seconds of that conversation probably were the most awkward he's ever had. I'm just literally sitting there shaking his hand and not saying anything. And I'm literally trying to get words out. I'm just like, finally, it's just like, thank you so much for inspiring all the stuff that I read. And he was just like, well, you keep reading it. We'll keep making it, man. That's you know, awesome. He, he just kind of puts his hand on my hand and he just walks off. And I'm just like, yep. And then, of course, Lou Ferrigno is behind him and he's just like, didn't I meet you? Of course, I've told this story on the podcast before, so you guys Yeah, yeah. you've told it on uh, YouTube as well. I've done the YouTube, yeah, so I've told that story. I think it was right around the time Stanley passed away. I think I told that yes, story that week. And so, so anyway, you got to meet one of your one of your icons, you know, one of your one of your people on your bucket list, I guess, of people to meet if you're going to meet anybody. I'm assuming that the only other person you want to meet more so than Renee would be, of course, Lucy herself. Yeah, I would love to meet Lucy. I think that would be a lot does of fun. Does she do cons? Do you know if yes, she does cons? Yes, she does. Actually, the next month after Renee had been in Indiana Comic-Con, um, she did a convention in Michigan. And I uh, was, like, so mad because I wanted to go so bad, but I didn't have the money. Right. So it was like either see Renee or see Lucy. And it was just, you know, one of those things where it's like, well, I love Lucy and everything, but Renee is who influenced my entire life. Right. And here's the bigger question you have to look at now. I know you took the picture with a girl who was cosplayed as Zena. Yeah. And of course, looking at you and her kind of reminded me of looking back at those pictures, kind of reminded me of looking at Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor because, of course, uh, they were, you know, physically very different. You know, yeah. one was a lot more bigger, a lot bigger, uh, very Amazonian in appearance. I kind of thought that Lucy Lawless would have been a great choice for Hippolyta, for the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Because she's just got that very statuesque quality. I think she's a little too old to play Wonder Woman, but I think she would have been great being her mother. Yeah, I think she would have been perfect for Hippolyta. You know, so we'll see. I mean, of course, you could they could still have her in the movies because I know. Did you see the Wonder Woman 84 trailer? I have not seen it yet, no. Okay, so the Wonder Woman 84 trailer is a point in the thing where they start doing flashbacks between Diana in current time with her doing some events when she's a younger Diana. And so you see yeah. this point where like Amazon's running off of the, like imagine Ninja Warrior, but for Amazons. That's kind of <laughs> what these scenes are back to back. And so they're, they're, she's running down the street. Of course, 
the only my only critique of that scene is she doesn't look like she's actually running on the street. She looks like she's literally oh, running in the air up the street. <laughs> oh no, bad CGI. So, yeah, she's not she, like her feet are not touching the ground. It's pretty obvious. You know, <laughs> but so it's just like how is that how is she not flying? I don't understand. How is that not flight? <laughs> but uh it'd be interesting to see Lucy Lawless maybe come involved. Of course Lucy Lawless is also in Another one of my favorite sci-fi things, which is Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And then, of course, she also did um, Bruce against Bruce for uh, not, not, the New Evil Dead series. Uh, Ash versus, uh, yeah, Ash, Ash versus, versus Evil Dead. And so yeah, she's, and she's Spartacus as well. as well. Yeah, Spartacus is another one of those. It's too much nakedness for me. I can't do it. Yeah. Although I it's love funny, they interviewed her. I think on Jimmy Kimmel, and she was talking about, you know, he asked her, he said, how does it feel like being naked on screen? And she's like, well, I'm not naked on screen. Like, what are you talking about? We've got scenes, we saw you. It's like, I, I hear what you're saying, but trust me when I tell you, that's not my body that you're seeing on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yes, I'm naked, but you're not seeing my, I don't look like that underneath this, okay? <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. What you're seeing is basically a body double with my head put on theirs. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to give the magic away. I'm not trying to give all the Hollywood magic away, but she's like, that's not my body that you're seeing. You're seeing about a person that's about 28 years old and in a lot better <laughs> shape than I'm in. And so it's just interesting how they kind of play that whole thing. So we've talked a little bit about the cosplay. Let's talk a little bit about the crafting side. What kind of things do you like to craft? What kind of things do you like to make? Um, well, I like to make my costumes. Um, okay. So I, I do I do hand sew all of my costumes. As you um, told you, Con, when you met her, you know I made this myself. So you know, yeah, that works out there. Yeah, and that that was that was crazy. That was so crazy because after I had taken pictures with her, I went to go get it autographed, and her mother happened to be there. Um, oh wow. Yeah, and her mother was the original founder of the Xena Warrior Princess fan club. I did not know that, but that make, makes sense because if anybody's going to be part and start a fan club, it's the mom of one of the stars. Exactly. And um, so her mom was sitting at the table with her and uh, Renee turns to her mom and she's like, that's the girl, that's the girl I was telling you about. And her mom actually went around the table like she she got up and you know went around the table and was looking at my costume and like you know i was telling her how i hand sewed it and everything and she's like wow and she's like looking at the stitching and so it was like crazy because here in front of me is gabrielle's mom like looking at my costume saying how beautiful it is and how well it was made and everything and i'm just like oh my gosh i could die now that's it. It's like Gabrielle and her mom told me how good my costume was. It's official. I have made it. I've arrived. That's epic. Yeah, it's like there, there's nothing in life that can top that. And that was like legitimately my thought until the next day. Oh. When I went to, yeah, when I went to her Q&A. And I went uh. to her Q&A and she actually called me up to the front of the stage and like, stood next to me and was like showing off my costume and like we were talking about uh married with fish sticks which is my favorite episode of xenoria princess 
Okay. And uh, yeah, and so she she was like showing off my costume and everything, and uh, she brought up a the Xena cosplayer um, and brought her up, and like uh, it was the most crazy magical thing in the entire universe. It was so weird. So here I am thinking like nothing can top this, nothing. And then the next day I go to her Q and A, and now I'm like, yep, nope, I'm done. Life is done. There's nothing that could be better than that. Be like, nothing could top this moment until the next day when everything topped this moment. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned an episode that was your favorite episode of Zena. Tell for those of us who may not have watched nearly as much of Zena as you have, tell us a little bit about that episode. Okay, so Married with Fish Sticks is uh, one of the later season episodes. Um, it's after uh, Eve is born, and Gabrielle's hat. Huh? Eve is. Oh, Eve is uh, Zena's daughter. Okay, is that the blonde-haired woman, or is that Calypso? That that's Callisto. Okay. Um. But Eve is actually um, got the soul of Callisto. Interesting. Yeah, so Callisto was redeemed, and when Callisto was redeemed, her soul went into what would become Eve. Gotcha. Yeah, because Eve was a gift to Xena, um, and eventually is what brings down the entire... Um, Greek pantheon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so the she's baby like, of Zeta. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, she, she's uh, Zeta's baby. But it's right after uh, Eve is born. And Gabrielle's like freaking out because even though Gabrielle had hope in the earlier season, so she was a mother and everything, and mm-hmm. uh, of that was like a demon baby so it wasn't exactly you know a normal motherhood thing um but she's freaking (laughs) she's freaking out because she doesn't really like know how to calm eve or anything and so she's you know sitting here with this baby trying to to figure out what to do and she's like you know zeta help (laughs) um and she ends up uh getting conked on the head and goes into the the sea and uh, wakes up as a mermaid and has no recollection of who she is. So, yeah, so she's got amnesia and has no idea that she is Gabrielle and that she's a human and that she's, you know, Xena's best friend. I use right. the term friend loosely. Um, <laughs> understand, understand. Soulmate. Um, but, uh, so, she she has no idea who she is, and this character um, who's playing her husband uh, is actually Joxer, but it's not Joxer. So it looks uh-huh. like Joxer, it talks like Joxer, it acts like Joxer, for the most part, a little bit more misogynistic. Um, but it's not Joxer, it's this politician in this mer-person society. 
Interesting. Yeah, and he, she happens to look just like his wife. So, yeah, so she is told that she's his wife, and these are their children, and uh, so they've got two boys, and then um, this little squid-like creature that is absolutely adorable, and I want one. Um, (laughs) And uh, that's their, their third kid. So they've got three kids, and like these kids are completely terrorizing Gabrielle. And so she's having to like play this part of mother and wife, and she has no idea that she's not who they're saying she is. Right. And um, so, like, uh, just complete and total uh, no idea which way things are turning. And, um, there's just like no real reason for this episode. There's no like need for this episode other than the fact that they just wanted something that was silly. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, so like you've got um, Discord and Aphrodite playing the two best friends and they're mermaids and um, you've got like this entire situation where this guy is this politician and he's like trying to get reelected so he's going to renew his vows with his wife which is Gabrielle who has amnesia and doesn't know she's Gabrielle so it's like leading up to this ending where she's going to be you know marrying Joxer basically and uh, right at the end she realizes that she's not this mer person that she's Gabrielle and it's right. just this really really odd episode and I just remember when it aired um it's another one of those ones where you, it just like really impacted me and I just remember uh, I remember from it when I was from when I was little when it aired uh, I remember when I saw her as a mermaid and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like this orange mermaid. This is like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remembered the whole like scene with the, with, you know, jocks are telling uh, Gabrielle, like the story about how they met and everything. Cause he's having to, to convince her that she is his wife. And like at one point right. she throws a knife at him, like, like the, oh, it, it, yeah, like sh- they're in the kitchen and he's being like a misogynistic pig, and she just is like chopping up vegetables or something. And she, he says something, and she gets really angry and throws the knife at him, and and that kind of like starts her awakening as to how did I do that? How did I know to do that? Like how? Like who am I? Kind of thing. In other words, as the show is going, she slowly starts remembering who she is. Yeah, and then at the very, very end of the episode, she remembers who she is, and the whole episode's just this crazy, like, unnecessary episode, and I love it so much. There you go. Sometimes you, and and, you know, you think about, like, the, the concept of the I lost my memory. I mean, they've made whole movies off that concept. I mean, me and a buddy of mine were talking about The Last Kiss Goodnight. 
uh, with yeah. Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson, where that's pretty much the premise of the whole movie, where she wakes up, she has no memory of who she is, she's a school teacher, you know, and everything, and then through, you know, events that occur through a car accident, where she bumps her head, she starts realizing who she was before this life that she has now. And so she's kind of trying to not only remember this stuff, but then there is like, it's not really an alternate personality. It's more like, this is who I who were before the amnesia. Yeah. And so she slowly starts coming into that. But then there's this point where you start seeing this merging between the two realities for her life. That she's kind of still the school teacher, but she's also this former assassin. And she's fully aware of both lives. You know, because Samuel L. Jackson makes the statement at one point, it looks like you're trying to kill a school teacher. She's like, yeah. I can't kill her. She's a part of me. You know, so it's kind of the idea that in order for them to kind of, you know, in order for them to end up working this whole thing out, they have to, the two lives have to become one life. And, you know, yeah. the people that she cared about over here, she has to still care about them, but she has to use the skill sets that she had from the older life in order to help her deal with this. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting motif for literary purposes, for, you know, writing, for uh, acting and different things like that. So it works well when it's done well. And sounds like that particular motif worked well in that particular episode for you, even though it may have felt, quote, unnecessary for the show, yeah. it impacted you. So it did its job. Yeah, it, it was like, it, it's one of those standalones that if you're not, if you know nothing about Xena Warrior Princess, you know absolutely nothing about it, you can watch it and just really enjoy it and just be like, well, this could be an entire movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. It like, looks I like kind of wish like they would do, huh? You look, it looks like you would kind of do what? Uh, I, I kind of wish that they would do like a spin off show that's like completely dedicated to that episode and just like what happens next yeah that kind of reminds me of the first like I, I think what I was talking about solo episode about Bumblebee and I talked about the first 10 minutes of that movie I was like can I see what happened that led up to this can I see like yeah. Optimus Prime and Optimus Council versus the Decepticon Council and the breakdown where they were working together at one point and then now they're not you know because it kind of could parallel a lot to our country you know if yeah. we saw that to see kind of this you know these people are all working together, they're doing a thing, and then slowly but surely you start seeing dissension between the two sides. You know, kind of, I could do this so much better if I did this. And then the other side's going, but this has worked for so long, yeah. we don't need to change it. And so then you've got people on the other side, and you've got factions being formed, and you got like Megatron feeling like, you know, he's not being listened to. And so instead of like coming to Prime and being like, hey, maybe we need to discuss this because I'm feeling left out. You know, he just decides to basically become the evil incarnate dude and just starts blowing up Autobots and he's got Starscream running around in the corner in his ear trying to manipulate him, not realizing that Megatron's already made up his mind. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, Starscream, that's kind of what it does. Soundwave's just like, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. You know, because I'm, I'm loyal to you. You know, so that's kind of how you kind of begin to see the Autobot Decepticon breakdown. Mm-hmm. And even like Optimus could even say, you're not an Autobot, you're a Decepticon because you've deceived us. And that's how they get the name Decepticons. And so next thing you know, like you see them like cutting off the emblem of the Autobot emblem and then marking themselves differently. 
You know, like, that yeah. would be a whole story in and of itself. But that literally got sparked out of my head from the first 10 minutes of the... Because even in the old Transformers cartoon, we didn't get a whole lot of the, you know, stuff on Cybertron. It was, oh, yeah. war is going on in Cybertron. We're going to go to Earth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it would it would be really interesting to see how that would play out and like what what could have. I'm I'm there. There's so much stuff that. Wh- I, okay, so I think I'm gonna go off on a little writing tangent for a second. So I think go like the biggest. <laughs> I think the biggest thing when it comes to stories, you know, you you get to a point where you're like okay I need to do a backstory for this and you think of this backstory and you get the backstory written and everything but then there's always a backstory to that backstory and then Mm -hmm. there's a backstory to that backstory so it's like it's a never-ending cycle of oh we could do this oh we could do that like there's so there's so much unexplored stuff when it comes to to writing and there's so many things you can do and I think that's what I love so much about a lot of different genres like with Marvel and with like Harry Potter and and all these things that they've got like different um, branch offs going and like you can even say going back to Xena you know Xena was the branch off of Hercules you know Xena what Xena started off on Hercules there was an episode introducing her character and kind of showing what Xena was like before she became the Xena that we know and love right and, and it's kind of interesting, too, because, you know, you talked about the soulmate connection. You talked about the whole friendship, really, like the sisterhood and beyond for them, for those two characters. You think about the fact of how much that friendship, that relationship changed her. You know, oh, so yeah. you kind of see her go from being this warmongering kind of just just hot headed, very, you know, primal almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember there's a quote. In one of the episodes where she looks at Gabrielle, Gabrielle says, well, see, you're a different person now. They don't know you like I know you. And she goes, you have to understand something. The only reason that I am ever changed is because of your impact on my life. Heaven help Mm -hmm. the planet if something ever happened to you. Oh, yeah. And you just see this brief moment where you're just like, oh, gosh, I would not want to see something. I would not want to see what would happen if she thought that Gabrielle had died. Mm-hmm. I see that de- kind of that demon out of the cage, so to speak, kind of that, you know, that that flip, that that switch being flipped, you know, yeah, for that, her. Because... Yeah, that, that's definitely just one of those things that would just make her regress right back to evil Xena kind of thing. Right, right, right. And so you think about that and you think about relationships in our own lives. It's like, are we do we, you know, and, and I understand everybody shouldn't be that close to us. You know, even people we associate with, you know, and everybody shouldn't have, but we have those one or two people in our lives that are really close friends. And, you know, we would do the world, we would do anything in the world for, but you, you know, you think about like family even, you know, like what would happen in a situation if your family was threatened and you were able to do something, what would that take? What, so, you, you know, you, you never, you, you can never say what you would truly be capable of in a situation of the right setting. You would hope you would do X, Y, and Z, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen because once you get into that mindset, it's just like all bets are off.
By the way, guys, in addition to the normal thing, we have added a B-roll. So you get a little preview, not just the stuff we talked about in this episode, but you also get a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be talking about in part two. So you might want to listen to this, and there'll be some laughs in it as well. So there you go. Enjoy the B-roll, guys. And I, I know I don't say it in the B-roll or anywhere, but I'm just going to say it here. First of all, happy holidays to you for those who celebrate the holidays, however you choose to celebrate them. And above all else, be blessed and blessed to somebody, guys. Enjoy the B-roll. We'll see you guys for the next episode next week. Take care. If you're a big Star Wars person. Or not, I am. You are. Okay. Are you planning on seeing the movie? I would like to see it. I have, have I don't know when I'll get the chance to see it, but I want to. Okay. Well, here's hoping you get to see it and that it will be something you enjoy. Uh, I will say this. They very much edit, without going into spoiler territory, they very much edit a lot of the stuff Last Jedi. Yeah. Like, they kind of make some things. It's just like, eh, we're just going to act like this didn't happen. Like, well, they're not totally acting like it's going to happen, but it's just kind of like, Yeah, well... Well, they the this last movie was supposed to be about Carrie. It was supposed to be full on Leah, and when she passed, they had to retool everything that they had planned. Right. So yeah, that makes that definitely makes sense. So I mean, it's just you know, it's just one of those things. You know, it it, it it's interesting how they kind of played with the stuff they did with her in the movie. I'm kind of glad they yeah. did it the way they did it. I wasn't for sure. Like I said, I couldn't. I'm not going to go into specifics. I don't want to do spoilers. I'm going to kind of do a solo. I'm either going to do a solo episode, or I know the Rascal Brothers are going to watch it Saturday before we record yeah. our actual podcast. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go, because I am actually signing up for the Disney Plus Network right now for the seven-day trial. I freaking love Disney Plus. It's a problem. <laughs> I love Disney Plus. So it's a problem. It's a problem. It is such an addiction. It's like, I've watched Gargoyles for six hours straight. I know, right? It's like, I don't know what to do with myself. What time did you go to work? I went to work yesterday. (laughs) You realize it's Monday again, right? No! (laughs) Yeah, I really want to watch The Mandalorian, but I haven't gotten that far yet. It was Sunday again. <laughs> no, Disney Plus. So yeah, it's so I'm signing up for it because the brothers keep telling me they're like, man, you really need to watch the Mandalorian. You really need to watch the Mandalorian. It's kind of that thing right now. You need to watch yeah. the Mandalorian. But okay, well in that case, I will for for this, I will sign up for the trial. I'll see how I feel about it after six days, seven days. Yeah. And, um, We'll decide if we're gonna keep it or not. I kind of like. I'm kind of bummed because the way they're doing the whole Hulu thing, like it's like, okay, you can get Hulu, and you can get ESPN, and you can get the Disney Plus channel for like twelve ninety nine. I'm going yeah. to just like not get ESPN at all, and like just <laughs> <laughs> just the nerd I, stuff, please. Just the nerd. Don't care about sports at all. You know, it's just like, unless it's professional wrestling. But there again, yeah. some people are not consider that a sport. They're just like, why would you call that a sport? Bro, you I mean, people flying off of top ropes. 
Yeah, it is kind of more staged, so I think yeah, it's chore- considered I, entertainment than sport. Yeah, I call it choreographed fighting. But you know what else I call choreographed fighting? Every kung fu flick I watch as a kid. Right? You know, it's like somebody was trying to tell me, well, what do you know that stuff's fake, right? You know what else is fake? Every Jet Li movie you've ever seen. Every Jackie Chan movie you've ever seen. You know, and every... Um, you know, every Jason Statham movie you've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if you can call Jackie Chan movies fake, though. Like, he got hurt so much. Oh, he gets hurt plenty, but the point is, it's still choreographed fighting. Yeah. It's my point. It's it's like Jackie Chan ain't running around kicking people in the face for real. Like, the people that have been trained to pull their punch, pull their kick. You know, the only time he had a real problem really fighting was whenever he was uh, fighting people in America and they couldn't uh, they couldn't match his speed <laughs> and so like he yeah. would go in for a kick and like they would be like okay because normally an American fighting it's got a one two three pop one two three pop and Jackie yeah. Chan is like steps ahead of that like he's already kicked four people in the time <laughs> it takes for them to choreograph a single fight and it's like wait what you kicked us four times. Like I remember <laughs> reading an interview about uh, Bruce Lee and talking about how they had to slow, they had to create a new camera. And now of course I got somebody calling me. Of course I do. Cause my buddy's calling me cause he just got finished seeing the, seeing the movie. I'm gonna yeah. decline it for now. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> 